go. How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to Dangerous Rhetoric. This is episode 43. Today, we are joined by the very awesome, super special Caitlin Copenhaver, dear friend, our sister, our comrade. Welcome back, Caitlin. Thank you. Yes. Oh, and don't forget, everyone, to like, subscribe, (laughs) share this video with your friends, um, do all the things. All the things, yes. And we're trying to get better at, like, remembering to tell people that. But yes, please do that. It helps us a lot immensely. So Caitlin is a photographer, multimedia artist. Um, I don't know which of our viewers have seen our first episode with her, but it's crazy. That was like seven months ago. Wow. Isn't that nuts? Wait, because it was was when we came back. Yeah, it was when we came back to New York for the month. And then there was, and then we did one before that too, didn't we? Oh, we only did the one, and you oh. were our second guest ever on the show. Oh. Our first guest was uh, Mike Ryan from Anarchy Tattoo Studios, and then after you was when we had Danny Presti from Max Public House, and I think Brett and I may have did like one more episode of the show where it was like just us. Mm-hmm. And then since then, it's just it's every, always we've it's always had a guest. Guests. Yeah, every single episode. Yeah, we, that's you know, cool. Trying to do guests. But yeah, obviously we wanted to get the great Copenhaver back on the show um, and get some updates with you, you know, about what's going on in, in your life and your career. So maybe we'll start with that a bit before getting into the really heavy stuff. But you have left New York City. Yes. That's a big deal. You want to talk a bit about that? Yeah, it's funny. People... Um... So I'm in Miami, Florida now. Hmm. And whenever I talk to people about like, they're like, I'm like, yeah, I just moved here. They're like, oh, where'd you move from? I'm like New York. And they're like, welcome. <laughs> like Miamians <laughs> um, have been very welcoming. Um, they, we're like refugees to them. <laughs> yeah. They're like, please come. So um, so that, that's that been really nice and uh, refreshing. And I find generally people are, uh, more open to talk to you and to learn about you and you know why you came here and what you do and um, where like folks in New York are uh, you know kind of a little bit more like jaded and and uh, you know not interested I, I guess. It's like, um, can I use you to advance myself? Or but not? it's it's gloomy now too <laughs> yeah. in the yeah. post lockdown New York and in particular yeah there's the like vibe. a, there's the like vibe, a, like a there. vibe of hopelessness. Um, yeah. Brett and I we were watching uh, Lex Friedman and Michael yes, Malice. Lex Friedman and Michael Malice they did a New Year's special on Lex's show and they had a conversation about New York City and this very subject but also LA you know, that was where Lex fled from in oh. Texas. So they, they were just talking about, yes, this like vibe of hopelessness that came over the place. And they just, they needed to get out of that, you know, extricate themselves. Yeah. But it's scary, you know, because you're uprooting yourself from your old life and you're going to a new place right. and it's a new culture. And right. so we're all going through that right now, people like us. And, yeah. you know, you you recently had to- uh, I experience anxiety daily. Pull the trigger, you know, and, and just leave yeah brent's yeah. very anxious i wake our... up with anxiety but yeah because we're in limbo you know we're not like totally because this the same place you, you know? is temporary you know we yeah. don't have an income really <laughs> well so that's your situation is similar in the temporariness right like you guys are staying yeah. there for now but what are your long-term plans in miami like do you plan on finding a more permanent spot do you want to get a house you can yeah shake the art scene up Yes. Yeah. I mean, ideally it would be amazing to have a photo studio and a screen printing studio. 
that would be like uh, awesome um before that though it would be great to have like some sort of property you know have it be like a multi-unit or or some sort of like duplex or complex of, of sorts that can get like rented out and ran and flipped and you know whatever um you know and even that as like a side thing uh so that is like you know another way to bring in income um but yeah it would be great to have like a, a studio and then like in that space as well it could be a gallery you know that's where like, yeah that's where we like invite people to to show you do performances and do like anything like on your on your watch you know yeah so that would be cool and then you know i'm i'm constantly i'm in the process right now of just like we're like I'm like constantly in reinvent invention like you know in flux of like my work and and who I am and what I what I want and I'm like what do I want what does Caitlin want um so I've been updating my website a lot uh going through my work and I've, I've also been like going curating my photographs and finding these like commonalities and in what I photograph during different years. And I'm like, oh, interesting. I, I'm kind of, I, I keep being interested in this or there's a, there's a lot of photographs of that and they're all from different years. And I, I definitely, I, I would love to see like a, a Caitlin Copenhaver tome, like a volume that collects yeah. certain things or you could do multiple volumes thematically, right? That just collects the photos together, gives you the specs of them, that sure. sort of thing. Just a photo book. You know, I know your your last book that you put out is is kind of like a, a piece of art in and of itself. Like the whole book yeah. itself is the art. But I mean, just a book that collects your separate pieces together as a yeah. character, where you just can flip through it and look through your photos. Yeah, yeah. I would love a portrait book. Yeah, it's so cool. So, so many portraits of so many different kinds of people and uh, different types of people. And, you know, so. All my best pictures. All my best photographs come from you. There's, there's a couple I could, good I could ones. Have a book on you. I have so many pictures of you. There's a couple good ones, like an old friend of mine took of me that I have from like years ago. And then Miles, he took some great pictures of me too. But definitely yeah. like all the best portrait photos of me are of <laughs> Caitlin. So I got you. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, so aside from that stuff, you know, you you talk about change and being in flux, and I think that's that's actually, I think, normal for an artist, especially when we go through tumultuous periods, like moving or people dying, shit like that. And it kind of marks our periods. Yeah. Right? yeah. So you just left your New York City period, you could say. Yeah. yeah. And now you're in this new stage where your, your work is going to evolve with you and you're entering like a new period of your work. So where do you, where do you think your work yeah. is heading now? Like you have the Epstein Banner Project, right? is that continuing you know trial just concluded all of that but you know books all of it you know merch right so i have um i worked on before right before i left new york i worked on these um animal hide pieces those are so that i actually showed you um and i still do have the epstein banner and they're one of the hides is is uh well both of them uh, one of them is really much about um, Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell, it, but it doesn't mention any names, just it mentions like the events and the things that happened. And then the other one, I, I believe I mentioned Epstein's name like once or twice, um, along with other names. Like the other ones. I, like, remember, I remember looking at those two in New York, you had them laid out on the floor. 
Yeah. And, and we were like kind of discussing them and that contrast between them, which I felt was so interesting how one of them, you know, the piece just focuses on like the actions, you know, right. like, happening right. and, yeah. and spe- specifically, I would say the victims, right? So it's like, we're not yeah. going to name who the perpetrators are. This piece is just focusing on what, what they did, you know? Yes. And then the yeah. second piece, you like, the names are in there, but the way they are is like, they kind of jump out at you. Right. Yeah. It shows you that like, those are the people who always get the attention. You know, it's, it's the big names. It's the perpetrators. Like we, we all know Epstein's name, but how many people are talking about, you know, Miss Farmer and, and the people who are having yeah. out against him. Right. How many people know their yeah. names? So. Yeah, no, it's so true. Um, and yeah, and I still do have the banner and I've, I've had a couple ideas kind of like spring in my head about that. Well, mainly because I feel like even the, any work that I made regarding Jeffrey Epstein, Gillian Maxwell is only gaining more potency because I did it before all of this. It's not coming. It's not an aftermath. It's like, no, I was looking at it when very few people were looking at it. And now it like, you know, looking back at it, it's it's fascinating and i'm like yeah so anything more i do with with epstein or or past epstein projects is is going to be even more charged because the 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 general um public now has a somewhat a somewhat of a grasp you know and then i go in deeper and i show them a little bit more details because i do think you know at the end of the day at the end of the day with this case it brought to more light that a lot of other people are involved for whereas someone who may be like no it ends there it's like no that person may be convinced now that there's a lot more people involved yeah. because it, that got exposed yeah, maybe we should go to level. and you you, you were you were definitely on this much earlier before like it was really blowing up it was after epstein was dead already but it was definitely before people were talking about jelaine and it was right during when the lockdown started and that yeah. was when that was when the banner was made. That was when, you know, all of us, the three of us actually, in fact, went out and took those first shots. Yeah. The, the Manhattan residents. Why don't we show them so that but we can. I wanted to talk about a bit about the phrase, you know, you know, Epstein is the worst kind of virus. That was what the banner says. And, right. you know, you, you definitely, you got some shit for that in the beginning, I would say. Oh, yeah. Because people were like, well, why are you trying to like divert attention away from this crisis? What they're not understanding, it's like, well, no, that crisis was used to divert attention away from this one. And the point of the banner is to kind of indicate, well, this has been around way longer and is is definitely much more dangerous and detrimental, not just to like lives, right? But like our very like society and the principles that we claim guide America and all of that right so in the sense I the statement is true it is the worst kind of virus and Epstein in the sense is being used as a symbol obviously we're not saying you know he himself is the worst kind of virus where you're saying people like him are you know people who do these things who use people like products who sell them who you know get these these rich fucking assholes to like you know hang out with them and then they trap them in there and then they blackmail all that shit so so for people that are listening i pulled up some of caitlin's work you can see it on our website at caitlincopenhaver.com check it out k-a-t-e-l-i-n-k-o-p-e-n-h-a-v-e-r.com and she has a collection of images this is basically that the banner is a tarp that we uh that she she wrote on epstein is the worst kind of virus and the Banner Project was us sort of going around taking 
pictures in various places i'm actually in a couple of these yeah uh this was in front yeah. of this is us holding it up in We're front like Caitlin's of the entourage <laughs> yeah right like her posse the groupies are oh yeah i mean driven around mattresses and shit like okay so <laughs> transporting your art equipment this was when we came down to florida uh, in 2020 this one is in front of his uh, ridiculous yeah. house my favorite one manhattan that's my favorite shot and not because i street. snapped it it's because it's the first one. Yeah. It's kind of special. One. It was like the first one. You know? I love this one because the house has since been demolished. It's this gone. is in front of his uh, Palm Beach residence. Yeah. Um, it's Caitlin and her boyfriend and they're hanging out with masks on because we were all wearing masks back then. I think that's a symbol too, you know, using, it is a symbol, using right? the mask next to the banner. There's something being said there as well. You know? This is where we were in Central Park at like right in front of the Bethesda monument, hanging the book thing i love the guy playing guitar under us yeah well there's always somebody there playing music yeah but the the way that shot is positioned is so it's just it's one of those perfect shots and then there's that random guy in the bridge like next to us yeah well there's that (laughs) it's new york um and then this was columbus circle this was in front of the met uh this is again down here in florida and again in front of the met so it's very interesting i love it i love this one in the water because like Mm, yeah blurried it's hard you can't read it you can't see it and that's kind of emblematic of child trafficking and sex trafficking in general is that it's always sort of lurking just beneath the surface it's obscure it's there but you can't necessarily see it and decipher it unless you really look into it it's an open secret i call it an open secret and that that's definitely what it is in hollywood you know because a lot of those people know that that shit is happening there and they just don't say anything because you know, yep. they get that next movie deal. They don't want to be blacklisted. Um, and then this is her, Caitlin, in front of the courthouse during the Jolene, you know, the original Jolene hearing. We went down there just to see what was going on. And There's, we had a couple of pictures taken. Yeah, they got Caitlin you know, on Caitlin in ABC the News. This is this was an ABC News. Yeah. And I think also USA Today used this picture. And then yeah. most recently that photo appeared on New the New York Times. So yeah. That's kind of a big deal. And I think, you know, it's a testament to, you know, how hard we've all been working, but especially Caitlin, how hard she's been out there grinding and just not letting up on this subject and making sure that people, you know, stay aware of it, that we're still talking about it. Because one of the reasons that we want to bring you back on was to really focus on this subject. And, you know, the trial just ended. Yeah. And it kind of, it feels like they, like Brent put it this way, that they want to just wrap a bow on it and all right that's that you know Jelaine was guilty of trafficking children i love this snow one it looks like it was so this was installed in bologna in italy oh yeah uh, yeah this somebody was really up, cool awesome man somebody put up a, a picture of caitlin's picture in Broadside. front of the uh, west palm residence kind of plastered onto a wall in uh, this this installation yeah. so people could like walk past it and just see it on the yeah. streets in Italy. It's a broadside basically, like a quick just... Yeah, they, um, this organization called Cheap, it's uh, ran by these like Italian women. And I saw an open call to, um, to submit any, like any sort of um, uh, political uh work of sorts and i was like i got some of that so (laughs) it didn't cost me anything to apply i i sent uh five different images and then 
this one was actually like an afterthought. I was like, wait, before I submit, maybe I should actually do an Epstein photo. And just because like, that would be great if that was brought over there. And that was and the one. That's the one. Yeah. So that Very was nice. That was I wonder, I wonder if that's still up. Hmm. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. They, I mean, it looks like it was already starting to deteriorate. Yeah. Well, broadsides, they're meant to be ephemeral. That's kind of the point of them. Yeah. And they're like gritty and they're, you know, they, they're quick and you just throw them up and then, yeah. It's I just cool. I love the image because she's got the mask like around her yeah. arm oh, yeah. and it's just very emblematic of everything and how I, I love the phrase Epstein is the worst kind of virus because it connects child sex trafficking to the, the Kofifi, the Kufid narrative. And, you know, from where I sit, I feel like child sex trafficking is more of a danger, a more pressing threat than a mild respiratory disease, but that's just me. Yeah. Well, I, I don't even think it has to be a matter of like comparing one crisis to another. And I think if, pe- you know, if people look at the phrase in that way, then maybe they're taking it a little too literally. Yeah, I agree. But, um, I just, I think this is a deeper problem, something that is much more prevalent and has been going on way longer than this virus has been around. Um, but I just think the idea of calling people like Epstein a virus is more the point. Well, and, and people that like are, you know, psych- so, uh, psychopathic are sociopathic, like these people are viruses, right? Like they infect people, they mutate, they, they people in their circle, then they damage, and then that person, you know, gets carried down and it just keeps changing and altering and damaging. It's just like, yeah, that's a virus. <laughs> like, yeah. Josh, Josh Slocum from Disaffected. Shout out to Josh. He uh, mentions the cluster B personality disorders, which is sort of like the, the umbrella under which psychopaths and sociopaths uh, reside. But there also includes borderline personality disorder, uh, yeah. narcissists, yeah. Um, and other damaging disorders, which generally people don't seek treatment for because it doesn't, you know, necessarily dis- uh, it doesn't hurt them. It hurts the people around them. So in order to actually get treatment, they have to really have uh, a core of a conscience and want to grow. Whereas a lot of these people, they're either so damaged that they don't care, or they're just, they're just that way. They are naturally a more predatory type of human being. It's personality B. Cluster B. Cluster B. Cluster yeah. B disorder. There's yes. like a the, the way that they divide up personality disorders. It's like there's cluster A, cluster B, cluster C, and cluster B are what's referred to as the antisocial personality disorders, are the ones that really impact the people around the individual and not so much the individual themselves. Well, I mean, it impacts the individual too, and there's just the different forms of it. I, I also don't think everyone who has cluster B type personality disorder necessarily like lacks conscience it's more like i think their conscience is just like fucked up but some of them do lack it completely and i think that's that's what the psychopath issue kind of comes into it's an important distinction to make too because a lot of people can't really if you have a conscience it's very hard to understand what it's like to not have one you have to either do a narrative like we need to talk about kevin or uh you know just to do a lot of deep reading on the subject to really understand because it was like speaking of you know lex and mike uh on their that new year's eve podcast again they sort of lex had this like thing where he's like i really have a hard time imagining somebody who would intentionally harm children and i was like well that's a telltale sign you haven't done the reading (laughs) because well it's also a telltale sign that yeah yeah, you have a conscience because i think anyone who has a conscience yes that is going to seem 
unconscionable to you. You're not going to be able to really comprehend or understand how anyone could be capable of doing something so terrible, right? Yeah. But uh, the downside of that is, you know, we, we want to believe, you know, like there's a little bit of good in everyone and everyone's redeemable. And it's hard to get to a point where you can really grasp like, well, maybe there aren't people who are, re- maybe they're not redeemable. You know, maybe right. there are people who simply, no. there is no changing them from being that way they're always going to be predatory they're always going to be manipulative and the best thing you can or do, in a word we could say evil evil and the best thing you can do really is for yourself and them is to like separate yourself you know that right of association and you could argue that that is the loving thing to do right by loving them you're seeing them for what they are you're recognizing that but you also got to love yourself enough to say well i don't want to be fed upon i am not going to associate that. with I'm that i'm not going to associate with that you know yes yeah and the psychopath doesn't like that obviously they they want to charm you they want to coerce you they want to like get something out of you you're a resource to people like yeah. that and how could you not think of that and then automatically think of people like i've seen people like jelaine maxwell those sorts because that's what they were doing they were using young girls as a resource, mm-hmm. as a as a product, as a commodity, as a commodity, yeah. breakable commodity, and then to start to understand that, and then to try to wrap your head around the idea that oh, this involves like princes, royalty, right? Like presidents, like yeah. people involved in in billionaires, the highest level celebrities of government models, power on both know? sides of the political aisle. Yeah, Hollywood. When you start to really grasp that. <laughs> You know, it changes the whole way of looking at it. It messes people up, and people don't want to look at it because they don't want to be messed up. It's horrible because I'm like, hi, here's my art. (laughs) But it's it's horrifying. You know, who who wants to think about things like that, or who wants to really think about the fact that, like, wow, my government fucks kids and sells them. Yeah. And that's that, because like, I don't know how else to put it. Like, I feel like I have to put it in a, in a really blunt well, way to get some people to really understand. Like, that's what's happening, man. Because if you if you see the language, they're like, oh, you know, child prostitute. It's like, no, children no. aren't prostitutes. <laughs> in fact, they can't be one because they can't consent. So. Right. And But there's a lot of language um, in headlines, especially, that that dilute and water down the what actually is going on between these people yeah yeah it's and the strange thing is the way that you know we have these major events we have jelaine you know she was just convicted now her conviction has been sort of like thrown up into the air with the announcement that uh one or potentially more of the jurors were uh you know child sexual abuse victims and they had related that experience during deliberations and that helped uh, convince the other jurors to, you know, convict. And there was allegedly, they, they had a question, you know, in their, in their voir dire. So voir dire is like the period where jurors are being selected from a much larger pool. And they, uh, they, they theoretically asked them all, you know, whether or not they were had experienced, you know, sexual abuse because that would have, you know, made the defense want to strike them as a potential juror. So now this whole thing has been thrown up in the air because people are saying that, you know, he lied on the the questionnaire, um, and that you know the defense is now requesting like a mistrial or a retrial. Um, so we're going to have to wait and see what comes of it. 
but yeah. it's it's very kind of bizarre as to how you know it, what strikes me about that situation in specific is that you know child sexual abuse is so common that when you pull you know a group of 12 random people right? you've got yeah. at least you know one or two that have experienced it and, and to me, like, why are we, you know, like, it doesn't, if they're a victim, they should be more likely to be on the jury because they have the experience to understand what's under discussion. Yeah. So it seems like almost by, you know, excluding them from the pool, you're sort of prejudicing your jury, you know, against having a visceral and raw understanding of the phenomenon under discussion. That's interesting. That's an interesting take on it, actually. Um, I'm recalling the book Predators. Uh, By you, Anna Salter. Yeah, that was, I was trying to remember her name. Anna Salter was her uh, name. The full title is Predators, colon, uh, Pedophiles, Rapists, and Other Sex Offenders, How to Identify Them and like oh, Avoid Them or yes, something. Yeah, it's, it's a, a long, long title. This title. book is but brutal, right? I, I so read, brutal. I read that book. I remember when you were reading that, Brant, you were like... <sighs> I read that, I think, the first year I was dating Brent. What's and her name again? Anna, Anna Salter. I remember... She's a doctor. Like, I would I would bring the book to work, too, because, I, you know, on my off-time or breaks or whatever, I would uh, read. And I remember when I was bringing the book to work, I had to take the dust jacket off. I have, some, I have some time off. I'm going to read about some pedophiles, but you know? I, I, had, I had to take the dust jacket off of it because I didn't want people to see the title and what it is I was reading. But I remember reading that book, and I was, you know, sitting there on one of my breaks... And I read the statistic they gave, and I believe it was, they said, one out of three girls and one out of five boys uh, will have some sort of sexual contact with an adult, some sort. It could be, you know, the minorest thing to obviously something more brutal or intense, but just reading that statistic. And then I remember like the kids would come back after break and I'd be sitting there and like looking at the classroom and then just thinking like one out of three one out of five and just being like how many of them you know have had already had some form of inappropriate sexual contact with an adult it's crazy if that's really true that statistic i gotta go back to that book and look up what she was citing for that but i just remember it really stuck with me and ever since then i'm like holy shit this is a problem you know yeah and then these kids grow up right and then they have all these different kinds of of issues and you know they never like deal with them or maybe some of them even end up offending other people and then it's just like it just keeps going and it keeps going and it keeps going then or they they develop a drug habit or they commit suicide, or they, they 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 drive drunk and they kill them themselves and someone else. Like you know, and people wonder why people yeah. throw themselves off of fucking buildings. What's so you know? what's so great about that book, though, and it's it really is a great read, although it's a difficult read, and not because it's hard to understand, but just because the subject matter and how yeah. graphic and oh, detailed so she, it is. She relates like stories. So she is a psychiatrist, psychologist who trains other psychiatrists and psychologists in how to treat victims of child sexual yeah. abuse. But, and well, so she has a lot of stories oh, she relates. Well, that was kind of what I was going to say is that what I love so much about the book is that you get the perspectives of the victims and they, you know, they, they tell you what they went through, how they went, how it fucked them up, all that stuff. But also you get the perspective of the victimizer. And that's why the book is called Predators, because you're, you're really trying to learn about them, the people who do these things and how they're, yeah, yeah. why they do it. So you get testimony, their own words, you know, right. why they did what they did and what they thought and all that stuff. And that was like really the most fascinating part about the book is like you, you get into the heads of those people a bit. 
And in their own words, you get to actually read why they did what they did. And it's crazy, man. Yeah. Good book. I highly recommend it. She Predators also, and Assaulter Guys. She, she points out a lot of interesting, like, red flags to look out for. Uh, things like, you know, people that want to, you know, have overnight access to your children. Um, anybody that's anybody that's in a child sort of uh, oriented profession, because these people often gain employment in professions that give them access to children and authority over children. Teachers. Well, it was that what youth group? Jerry Sandusky, yeah. I think, was the guy at Penn State all those years ago. Uh, what was and there was the other guy who was the um, or am I thinking of the Olympics guy? Yeah, what the hell was his name? The uh, there's so many predators now. I get them confused. The creeper from the Olympics who was like. There's an HBO documentary about him. Adjust- oh, Larry Nassar, the doctor. In, yeah, in Larry his, Nassar. Yeah, like and a, his, a, his adjustments. Yeah, yeah. Adjustments. Like, yeah, I just uh, like, put my fingers in here and adjust something. Okay, we don't have to get yeah. explicit. But it's just like the whole thing is, is fucking nuts. And the fact that like these people were, were, you know, talking about this for a while and they couldn't get the FBI to do anything for so long about it is what's really crazy. Yeah. Maria Farmer mentions that she was telling the talk, telling the FBI what Les Wexner and Jeffrey Epstein were up to in the 90s. Yeah. And they sat on it. They didn't do a single thing. Nuts. And the, you know, the supposed justification is that he had quote unquote ties to intelligence. And, uh, you know, Whitney Webb does a really good investigative series sort of exploring what that means if folks want to look into it. Yeah. Hopefully we can get Um, them at some point. I saw I saw a headline this morning from the New York Post that Alan Dershowitz reportedly lobbied Trump to pardon Ghislaine Maxwell before trial. <laughs> so Alan Dershowitz back in the headlines. Dirty Dershowitz. It's so weird because he's he's been speaking out too against like the woke stuff and cancel culture and political correctness. Like he even wrote a book about this shit. But part of me now feels like, well, is he just doing that because? he knows that he there's dirt on him and he can get canceled and he wants to like almost use it as a weapon to be like oh well this is just cancel culture they're trying to cancel you know what? i don't think so i think that's actually just alan dershowitz's personal belief and yeah. personality because yeah. if he because if you know and i was when i was reading about him he does this tactic where he goes after the other lawyers strategy and law to like better his case i forget like the term for it but apparently he's like extremely smart um but he's been like yeah but he's dealing with like like criminals and like sex offenders and creepy people um for years like that's like his that's like his shtick you know which is um, not a good shake to have i don't think not a uh, good luck yeah i mean there's no like hard evidence on dershowitz but there are allegations from victims you know that yeah involved so i don't know and the know. other thing that really tickles me about the epstein affair is that where are all the victims we've yeah. had you know maybe a handful of girls come forward and testify uh and from what we know from what they're saying it sounds like there had to have been hundreds or potentially thousands yeah. of girls Especially when you consider, you know, over the years, going back into the early 90s, where are all the girls? Hashtag, where are the girls? <laughs> yeah. Where are they? Gone. Spared. That's the elevators. Yeah, Brett and I talk all the time, like, how many bodies do you think are buried on Epstein Island or 
you know at the zoro ranch where they excavated in palm beach like when they tore that down maybe i don't even know i mean yeah it sounds crazy and conspiratorial but with all the shit happening you have to wonder well even the mansion in uh in new york city that's supposed to have three floors down wow sub levels yeah and the levels are not listed like on zillow or like about i it's just it's very very creepy yeah i think that house even connect i don't know i'm like isn't there a church by there too like it's across from the frick museum too yeah because i remember that's that's where we were standing in front of when when we took that shot we were right in front of the frick we like put your camera on all your shit yeah yeah like, on the steps too i think i was like, we're on the steps <laughs> yeah frick museum so so funny it's yeah. so creepy over there such a bad such a weird aura on east 71st street speaking of um uh you know with bob saget recently dying dying so we we wanted to talk a bit about that actually with you so you think bob saget is creepy yes okay go into that why um so i i personally have to go into it more myself okay he has a history of enjoying young girls apparently um are there allegations though because i looked this up the other day i couldn't find any like actual allegations against bob Saget. and by young do you mean under the age of 18 yes oh um he like when he was on full house he did some like creepy shit with like a doll that like so that i that i saw and but you know, when I watch that, I'm explain like, that. What is that? So he's, he's also a comedian, so maybe he's like silly. Well, that's what I was gonna say. I'm gonna I'm gonna explain it the way from what I recall him telling it. So he was shooting a scene um, for Full House, and for the scene, he was holding a fake baby doll, which they had him use instead of a real one. And he was and he was he was doing like a like a talk to it, right? And you know the the music, sentimental music, is supposed to play, and he's supposed to sit there and do this really like deep talk. And he was talking about how it was hard for him to do that to the fake baby and then in between takes he was kind of joking around so he started to kind of like lay in the bed with the baby and to like flirt with it and that sort of thing and it was weird and creepy but like people were laughing and it's Bob Saget like he's done weird humor like this before like one of the other videos that I saw was they were talking about this joke he did of like it's a type of joke I can't remember the name of it but it's where like the family just starts like stripping and like fucking each other and like rubbing oh, yes. everywhere like i forget that's not yeah. the first time that joke has been told um from like he didn't invent that from what i understand yeah. i think that's a, like a type of joke that's been i have no idea what you're talking yeah, about yeah but so again it's but bob saget's humor i think has always been like that and one of the things that i was like was but is that is that an it, excuse or is that a red flag? Well, people would say the same about Chappelle, right? And, and, and his trans jokes and that sort of thing too. Like what is off bounds like or off limits for a comedian is I guess the question here. And when is it tasteful or not tasteful to do a particular joke, like a rape joke or, you know, like a racist joke or that sort of thing. Like, there was also, um, I saw a video of, you know, like at the, at the Oscars or the Golden Globes or whatever, and people um, getting up on stage and going on and on about 
the things Bob Saget did to Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen in dressing rooms and laughing about it oh and my. like making jokes. It was kind of being like, da-da-da, you know, and everyone's everyone's laughing. It's funny. So I'm it, like- That was the roast video. Yeah, I saw that too. They were roasting um, Bob Saget and they were- No, like, this, is some, this is something, okay. I think, oh, maybe, maybe, I thought this was like an award- it was, I think it, I think it was a roast. So Comedy Central used to do like these roasts where they would honor a comedian and then other comedian friends of theirs would get up there and, and joke, insult them, insult them, make jokes about them and stuff. So yeah. that, that's what that video was from. And yeah, they were joking about, you know, that he was pursuing the Olsen twins since oh. they were like eight or something. And yeah. And, you know, and Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen do not speak about their acting career. In fact, want nothing to do with it. Well, they, they did. They had, very famously, when Full House came back, they were like, nope, we don't want anything to do with it. Well, they had nice words to say about him. Some twins on Bob Saget. They and it also, the row, the Olsen twins' is uh, uh, shop is on East 71st Street, down the street from Jeffrey Epstein's mansion. Fascinating. Interesting. Like, coincidence. Very interesting. So I don't know. I don't, I, I get kind of just get like weird. I get just bad vibes from Bob Saget, but I don't think anything, anything's ever like come out enough to like really stick. So I think part of it is that for most people who might encounter his comedy without knowing about it beforehand, it's the juxtaposition between the image of him that was portrayed on Full House as like the clean cut Dad, father right? figure very nice and, and like that show is very family friendly and then when that's you, when you actually, when you see bob saget's stand-up you're like wow that's the dad on full house he's so raunchy he's so like over yeah. the top and i remember when i was a teenager and i first saw his stand-up i was surprised i did not expect the dad from full house to tell jokes that were that crazy you know and raunchy so well but people didn't expect the dad from the cosby show to be involved in strange and bizarre practices towards women to say the least Um, but i was trying to find their statement you know they said they were deeply saddened by his death they said something they said bob was the most loving compassionate and generous man this is the Olsen twins. We are deeply saddened that he is no longer with us, but know that he will continue to be by our side to guide us as gracefully as he always has. So you know, I don't know. You know, may, maybe but there was no. It's also left. possible that you know Bob Saget wasn't the person who you know soured their their thoughts and feelings about Hollywood. It could have been somebody else involved. You sure, know, an yeah. agent, a fucking director. You know, it could have been anybody. Yeah. Well, I can understand though why people would look at Bob Saget and think he's kind of creepy. <laughs> so I do get the sentiments. Well, some of his comedy but, is extremely raunchy. Yeah. But I couldn't and find when any... you take it out of context, you know, it, it's very easy to mm-hmm. see, you know, perversion. I, just, I couldn't find any, like, allegations or any real things about it. So. The interesting thing about his death, which I thought was a little disturbing, is that was very sudden. He was tweeting up to hours before he passed, and he hmm. was joking about the number of... Uh, things that he was getting and yeah. how frequently he injections was them, ah. nature yes. um so you have to be kind of careful here with you know youtube i think people who watch us know exactly what we're talking yes about. they do um but it was interesting to see that he you know I, I was another celebrity that just sort of passed very suddenly and we're gonna have to wait and see what the coroner's report is when it comes out but you know if it's a heart attack i won't be surprised let's put it that way and we also heard uh not to get off the subject but betty white you know she passed away on december 31st they're now saying she had a stroke six days before she passed and i'm also wondering was she double or triple you know 
possible. Yeah. But again, 99. So for the most part, when I look at that, I just say, but you know, still, Betty White died of being 99. still. Yeah, no, I think the point does still stand. Especially and, when you're talking about, you know, of an experimental nature, which have yeah. been connected to things like strokes, blood clots, heart, you know, heart problems. The, the question needs to be asked. And I think it's worth asking. Here. Yeah, I agree. So where should yeah. we pivot now? I don't know, man. It's just, I love Caitlin's Epstein work. It's amazing. I hope Bob Saget though isn't a creep. So, because yeah. <laughs> so, I did think it was kind of funny, but um, I'm reading this article, the Bob Saget controversy you never knew existed. I'm like, mm-hmm. so should we go through some of other, her other works? Yeah, well, I definitely I want to talk a bit more about the trial. And so they they closed those documents up, right? Do you want to talk about Jelaine? You mean? Yeah, well, I wanted to keep going on this a bit because I, I still think it's it's right now, it's one of the most important subjects. And the elite would certainly love to see it go away. I think they, you know, now that the trial's over, especially they're hoping we all just like forget about it. They threw us Jelaine, so they threw us a bone. And all right, you know, case closed. What's the joke? Who did she traffic she all these kids to? No kids one. to no one, right? <laughs> so case closed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Very, very creepy. Well, no, also we didn't mention that, you know, the, the trial itself was very curious and that it took a very long time to actually have it. It was yep. like almost, what, two years, like after a mm-hmm. year and a half after her arrest. And then, you know, the judge, this judge, Allison Nathan, she in this time period while you know she they knew that she was going to be the judge she got a promotion so she's going to be moving up to a higher you know judgeship i guess you would call it um which is just kind of curious and then alongside with the fact that one of the prosecuting attorneys is uh, i think her name's amy uh amy comey barrett i think is the way i think it's it's basically james comey's daughter uh, and if you don't know who James Comey is, he was uh, one of the FBI guys that was previously associated with the Clintons. He was, you know, connected with a lot of the um, prior controversies involving things that should and should not be investigated. Um, but, so uh, Amy Coney Barrett is the. Um... Yeah, she's a prosecutor. Isn't, and she, she, the... she was also responsible. She's for... the Supreme Court justice, right? Or. No, she's not. No. Oh, she's the Associate Justice of the Supreme Court. Okay, anyway, but she, um, oh, it's not Amy. No, you're looking at Amy, Amy Coney Barrett. That's who you said. Okay, I'm. Yeah. her name's Comey. Yeah, that's Comey why you confused me. I'm like, I'm like, wait, no, she's the... M. Not that one. Okay. Different lady. But anyway, she lost some of the Epstein documents. There was some evidence that mysteriously went missing. And the last person that had access to it was her. So it's just, why would you put that person on the prosecuting team when they had already, well, maybe that's why. Maybe she demonstrated loyalty and she was being rewarded. Who knows? But the whole thing is just very shady. It's very, you know, weird. Also, the fact that we weren't allowed, you know, there's no cameras in the courtroom, which I guess is standard for a federal, you know, a federal trial. But we still haven't had any sort of pictures or video of Jelaine coming in and out of the courthouse. And this led me to my conspiracy theory that they're paying someone to be her. (laughs) That she's not actually in custody, that, you know, they have a lookalike or several lookalikes that they pay to, you know, pretend to be her. And then they switch them out every so often. 
Is his daughter Maureen? Is it Maureen? No, I think it's Amy. I thought it was Amy Comey. I mean, they can, they could, they could do that. Cause I'm starting to think I'm like, wouldn't someone pick up on that? But also maybe not because they can do like face moldings and like all different kinds of shit to like really make it look like her. If they, that's like, oh God, that's so much work. Yeah, it does seem, I think it, I think that's more work than it's worth, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. like um, James Comey. Maybe I'm spelling his name wrong. I think, because I, I only read about one daughter here, um, and her name was Maureen. So it's his oldest daughter. Amy Comey. Graduated from Harvard daughter. Law School at school 2013, and she's currently the assistant U.S. attorney in the U.S. Oh, Attorney's. yeah, it's Maureen. I'm sorry. I got yeah. them confused. So that's her, Maureen Comey. Maureen Comey. Comey. Yes. James Comey's daughter is the lead prosecutor in the Julian Maxwell sex trafficking case. So she works for the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York. Yeah. So and she so- was the one they, they appointed. Ah. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, she's the daughter of former FBI Director James Comey, um, who also worked on sex crimes yeah. against Jeffrey Epstein. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he was, he was uh, head of the FBI during one of the deals that I think it was during the sweetheart deal, actually, that he got. The, uh, the infamous sweetheart deal where he was allowed to have, you know, he was like in custody, but he was like in custody in an office. And then he was allowed to go there during the day. And then allegedly he was, you know, having young women come into the, the office while he was supposed to be in jail and still, uh, you know, getting up to his shenanigans. That was the, uh, the, the story anyway. Weird. But the whole thing is just very shady and it kind of comes back to like this whole idea that, you know, our authorities are being less than transparent when it comes to the Epstein affair and child sex trafficking. And, you know, the question is why, you know, what are they hiding? And the articles that came out during her trial, you know, it's like, oh, the, the fake child uh, sex trafficking <laughs> epidemic and all this pull shit. That, up. that we, was we the that, up. that was that was just like you guys are really think people are not going to make this connection like are you serious and then when and then you it, find just, out, it just makes you think that all the owners and heads of these media outlets are involved well, well it's and, by the washington post the the woman who who was with um what's his name from apple steve jobs <laughs> Yes, Steve Jobs, right. Uh, and um, there's pictures of Ghislaine and her, the wife, like, hanging out. Yeah, yeah and that, that photo, too, that came out recently of Epstein yeah. and Ghislaine sitting at the Queen of England's getaway. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about yeah. the photos. Yeah, so yeah. there's... You want to pull that one up, Brent? There's, a, there's up. a lot. They, they There were a handful of new photos that came out. Um, but, yeah, they're just, like, at the, the Queen's cabin. Scotland at, Queen, at Queen's cabin hanging out. So there's the picture of that's the queen sitting in the same spot. So hold on, let me yeah. share the screen. Oh, here, yeah. Hold on, hold on. Don't touch my monitor. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so oh yeah, so creepy. Yeah, so the one photo, it's like they cropped it, but it's like the queen and she's sitting next to another friend. And then there, right in the same spot, same place. There's Epstein and there's Jelaine sitting right where the queen is. Very curious. So, but yeah, it's nothing, you know. It's just, uh, it was just, it was just Epstein and Jelaine. It's all done now. Just well, the, the UK has a history of covering up and protecting pedophiles. Oh yeah, I think that the UK is actually like worse than probably. It could you know. be. I mean, that was what uh, Jimmy Savile. Yeah, yeah. who was that guy, knighted? 
and who I think he wasn't even like he was, you know, he probably abused hundreds or thousands of kids during his lifetime. What and did he do again? it wasn't even he was a big wig at the like BBC. A, he raped and murdered kids. Uh, like his S-A-V-I-L-E. He was a uh, he was a, was a, a jockey, I think. Was a DJ? What was he? No, he he had he was a, a DJ, show. television and radio personality. He had a radio show. He hosted yeah. a BBC two BBC shows. Top of the and He was also really creepy. He was really weird looking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look. Ew. Uh, goes out of shit of a Esther, fucking horror film. Mr. B eyes, right? Christ. Or you can see the eyes. Yeah. yeah, and it's also uh, like, it's like ew. Part of it is like these eccentric, like people like this come off as like eccentric and like mysterious and like cool, and I think that's like sometimes yeah. the, the psychopath can like give off that i don't know that aura of like mystery or or like yeah they're like i'm just eccentric yeah here's an article from uh, uk mirror it says jimmy savile abuse payouts 120 victims pedophile presenter to receive an average of thirty-three thousand pounds from the bbc wow they're expected to pay about four million pounds out um yeah so the, to the victims 120 victims and that's probably not even that's probably just a fraction you know that are of, of his victims that are still alive that were willing to speak out and this this story's from 2014 so yeah i remember i was i was researching something and i i went on this this rabbit hole of finding out this um this other like bunker where they would um somewhere in the uk or maybe off the coast of it somewhere i don't know but it was like a cave bunker island type of thing where they would go there and to abuse children and all different types of people or you know royal and elite status would go there and jimmy seville would go there Hmm. and it actually um epstein's island is very similar in the outline of this this space so it's like did he pull from that you know but it more importantly it shows that this has like been going on for decades yeah and well, it's global it's and also not if there's if there's unique to two us. two islands where this has been allegedly happening there's probably a lot more there's more yeah way more yeah and Definitely like it's more. it's like when you're you know like that's i feel like what we get from the information on on child sex trafficking and especially when it comes to the involvement of the uppest, upper of the uppest class, um, the echelon, the upper echelon, the top of the creme de la creme. Uh, you, we only see the tip of the proverbial iceberg. We get like a little bit, and yeah. you know what's lying underneath the surface. It's like beneath the surface of the water, obscured, is this huge effing thing. You sound like a Q conspiracy theorist. So, and this is what I think Brent. is brilliant about the QAnon yeah. side. <laughs> It was that they basically came out and 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 said the truth, you know, that these elites were involved in child sex trafficking and then blackness yes. and Satanism and all this. But at the same time, the poison pill, the lie, the twist was that they claimed that there was this group of insiders that were fighting the good fight and helping Donald Trump, which was just total BS. And so, and the in the, the way that now that QAnon is used is that anyone who brings this up in you know Twitter or in public immediately yes. you get slandered as being oh you're just one of those QAnon crazies I was pulling up yes. meme it's of brilliant 
it's 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 brilliant it was very effective so there's this tweet it's old it's from this well it's from august 2020 so it's not that old but jeff van Drux, i don't know who he is but it's a great tweet and it's this meme and it's like the bus driver from the simpsons and he's saying don't make me tap the sign and then he's pointing at the sign and it's the tweet and it says people keep acting like the conspiracy part of QAnon is the cabal of satanic pedophiles no that's the real part the conspiracy part is the secret group that's coming to save the world uh, yeah that's, there's, no exactly group. there's no one in the government who's you know plotting to expose all of this and all of a sudden the truth is going to come out and, and america's going to be saved that was the bullshit but they wanted to you know combine that with the very real reality that yes there is there are these weird cabals of creepos doing this stuff and by combining the two together, it, it automatically, it, it makes it easier for people to dismiss the reality of it, right? Exactly. Like, oh, well, there's a secret group. You're one of those weirdos. Yeah, yes. Uh, and then it, as soon as you start talking about child sex trafficking in the government, it's like, oh, well, you're probably one of these people who think there's a secret group to save everyone in Q. It's like... <laughs> Of the list. Yeah. So. Well, you saw that, that chart, right? The conspiracy theory chart. Oh, we pull that up. That was good. Well, that is that is so good. Am I so good? It's just like beyond ridiculous. I'm just like, oh my gosh! Like people really don't think there's anything more out there than their immediate reality and what the TV and New York Times tells them. Well, it's just it's because you know there's so much outrageous speculation too in the conspiracy world but you know what brent and i brent and i are also convinced that the people in power insert deliberately and this is really conspiratorial insert stupid stupid, ridiculous conspiracy theories into the conversation to further muddy the water discredit people who talk about this stuff and also to just like i guess a litmus test to see to see like what people will believe and like flat earth for example like so she had to update this which i thought was funny because some of her she had a previous version of this chart and the things that she had listed as like kind of crazy conspiracy way out there actually happened and it's just funny because when you look at it she's got it organized you know down here at the bottom at the apex of the inverted pyramid we have things that actually happened and she lists you know coentopro big tobacco lying about cancer you know NSA mass surveillance, Tuskegee, you know, Club, and, MK Ultra. Yeah, yeah MK Ultra wasn't there. there before. And then there's like, this is funny. Like, we have questions. I'm like, well, okay, well, what does that mean? You know, and then there she puts like the JFK assassination, uh, Denver International Airport, like Roswell, UFOs, Princess Diana, Epstein didn't kill himself. And then there, it like moves into like, you know, the, it, as we go on, she says that, okay, these things are, you know, not true. She calls this next category unequivocally false, false, but mostly harmless. Yeah. And then she's got alien abductions in there and crop circles and like these things that honestly aren't uh, like, yeah, Elvis lives. That's kind of ridiculous. I can like Prince Charles. Greta Thurmbig is a time traveler. Ever Levine <laughs> replaced. Like, how would you put that next to abductions? You know what I mean? As if there's no legitimate evidence and, and stuff oh like i that. like danger dangers to yourself and others this is a good one yes uh, so here we have chemtrails 5g yeah. covid19 made in a lab anti-vaccine yeah. jet fuel doesn't melt steel beams <laughs> which, are you, come on i don't man. understand why that I why mean, is that that's, there? that's a fact that's a fact <laughs> so then this is the weird thing because she kind of like and then she goes to the the craziness 
just like QAnon, George Soros. And then she, what's weird is that she just sort of like lists these yeah. like topical, you know, names and doesn't, you know, really like leave anything, you know, like, like some of this stuff is like we said with QAnon, it's, you know, it's nuanced. Uh, the deep state is actually a thing, you know, like that's, she's got yeah. deep state listed here um, as, you know, one of the most extreme and crazy things when that's actually like, you know, unelected, you know, military industrial complex that Eisenhower himself warned about in the late 1950s, right? As he was leaving office. And adrenochrome is here too. Adrenochrome is interesting. I haven't, you know, I don't really know much about adrenochrome, but like the the Uh, idea behind it, I think is kind of nuts. I think it's a stretch to say they're like extracting it from the kids. Well, so I think that I I don't think it has to be that complex, you know? Right. But I mean, Wayfair. I remember that. Like Wayfair, that was an interesting Bill Chip, Bill, Bill Gates microchipping. It's like, it's funny because he's actually like, you know, pushing microchips in Europe and stuff like that. Yeah, well, uh, so up here, celebs moisturized with children's foreskin. That actually happened. That was a whole thing. Like Sandra Bullock got a lot of flack because she was tweeting about, you know, how she tried the foreskin facial and it was amazing. So it's it's very interesting to see how this stuff, you know, gets kind of mixed and but so a lot of that promoted. is overlapping too. And so to try to like separate some of these things, like like it's just all reptilian overlord. Well, let's let's look at the um let's look at the 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 um sections in between. So it's like okay, speculation line, now it's leaving reality, now it's science denial, yeah. and now it's the anti-Semitic point of no return. Like and most of those things have nothing interesting to framing, do, right? Most of those yes. things on that bottom part of the pyramid too have nothing to do with like Judaism, <laughs> besides like what. Protocols of the Elders of Zion. That's which was is an, an actual document yeah, which an actual people document. can read that was you know attributed to you know like Jewish like leaders, but probably is more of like they it was more like they were using Judaism as camouflage in order to conceal you know more pathological ideas. Like when you read the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, it's basically a manual for what we see happening in the world right now in terms of media manipulation and how right. to. Uh, you know, control the masses of people through deception and psychological warfare. Um, so it yeah. that's the, the nuance that gets lost yeah. in this well, discussion. Authentic yeah. or not, it is an interesting document that I think, you know, anyone who's delving into the world of conspiracies should be familiar with because you, you're doesn't exist. she yeah. also has pizzagate in here which yeah. you know it's just the word you know and pizzagate i think is was a very interesting thing because it came right on uh right in the big like as you know as we were going into the 2016 election and you know somebody leaked a whole bunch of emails from the dnc and there was a lot of disturbing conversations in the emails around pizza and hot dogs that didn't make sense yeah. if you were to read it literally. It sounds like it code. sounded like it was like you were using it as code. And, mm-hmm. you know, it got associated with this, um, this pizza joint down in D.C. called uh, Comet Pizza and Ping Pong. And, you know, people sort of went to this guy. Jimmy Comet is the, the owner of this, this this restaurant and when they went to his instagram there were all these disturbing references to pedophilia and you know yep. people were like oh it's a joke but literally i made a video for it's friendly on it a long time ago and yeah. it just had you know you go through it and it's very disturbing it's weird he ended yeah, like, up like, they were like tied up and stuff yeah, like, it, really there was weird. some really strange shit and like art too like weird art like 
Right, yeah. Tony Podesta is John. So Tony and John Podesta are big wig Democratic fundraisers and influencers and power movers in DC. Uh, I believe neither of them are married and they have very disturbing art collections, which often depict uh, violent uh, actions towards people or and, and violent imagery involving children. There's also this one artist who was producing a lot of work for them and her whole thing was having kids with these like these really empty sort of looks and eyes. lined up against a wall. Yeah, it was yeah. so creepy. Yeah, the, the art he collected was, was quite strange, but the, the emails you mentioned, they were a lot of them were Podesta's emails. Right? Well, he was, that's the thing. That's how he got pulled into yeah. it. And so it became now Pizzagate in the common, you know, from like the common man's perspective was like, oh, wasn't that just like some conspiracy theory about people trafficking kids out of the basement yeah. of a pizza shop? No, that's not what yeah. it was. At well, all. I, I remember they were, all, that's what it became. Yeah. And that's how it's become this thing that's sort of dismissible. Yeah. I remember they were also looking at the the symbol of Comet Pizza, which yes, originally they, they said it looked very symbol the nambla symbol yeah very similar to a symbol that was often associated with you know the p word so, so we did the podestas own the the the, the pizza shop no that was no. jimmy comet who owned the pizza shop the podestas were fundraisers and organizers for the democratic party oh okay. but are they connected to the pizza shop uh well i think they got caught up i don't know if they were connected to the pizza to, shop to jimmy per se uh, I forget how, I think a lot of these, you know, they were using the pizza shop for catering. And so that was how the, uh, the confusion came in like between the concept that they were using these things as code. And, but also this pizza shop was catering actual events with pizza and hot dogs and such. So it becomes a very messy, you know, gray area and you really have to dig into it and draw your own conclusions um which is why it's 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 like a rabbit hole yeah. and read the emails definitely read the questionable ones yeah if you just look up the pizzagate emails and read them yourself you will very quickly see that they are not talking about pizza and hot yeah, dogs it doesn't sound that way when you read it you're just like this is a lot of discussion and and you know, references to pizza and, and hot I just dogs. noticed that also up here under like, you know, the craziest of the crazy is Antifa International starting wildfires. When we did have some Antifa associated individuals being caught starting wildfires in California and Portland or outside of Portland. Yeah, clearly, clearly, you know, the, um, the, like the bias, the behind this, you know, like the, it's, you know, they're like, let's push this and then let's demonize this. And also like Miss Abby Richards, like she's like really popular. Like I wonder what she's, uh, I wonder how many people she has on Twitter. Um, well, Comet Ping Pong opens at five today. <laughs> <laughs> Still open. Go we should yeah. fucking go there. We should, you should just go there and hold the Epstein Wow, she's got like 44,000 no, followers. Awesome. 44,000 followers. And her, this is her pin tweet. It's this one 75,000 likes on it. She looks like a, a conspiracy theory. Look at her. She's like, What are you doing? She looks like Luna Lovegood from Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, a little there. disinformation. Oh, she's on TikTok, it looks like. My gosh. Yeah, yeah she's uh, maybe I'm not. I tweeted to the, the chick who wrote that article for the Washington Post. I was like, You should be ashamed of yourself. 
about like the fake child. Oh, that was, so that was in Washington. That was in the Atlantic. Oh, right. There was a point I wanted to bring up about the Atlantic. There was a photograph of the founder, I believe it was, uh, this woman who was at, you know, it's some there, she's in swimwear and she's photographed right next to Jelaine Epstein. Jelaine Epstein. (laughs) Jelaine Epstein. I mean, we might as well combine them. That might still be her name. But it was was like, so it's funny to see, you know, apologia. And I've noticed this about the Atlantic specifically, especially in the last two years, they are putting out some of the highest grade propaganda that I have ever read or seen in my entire life. They want us to like sympathize with Jelaine. And this is part of the narrative I'm seeing like people people trying to spin too, is that she was like a victim. You know, like, oh, me too. You know, she she was a victim to Epstein. Yeah, people are trying to make her be like, oh, she's like a like a boss bitch. Like she like was a hard worker. I'm like, she was recruiting girls and fucking them. Like, no. Yeah. Yeah. Not was okay. It, yeah, wasn't Melania too taking rides with her too? Uh no, that's Ivana. Ivana, sorry, oh, Ivana. Yeah. I always confuse them all so many. So that's yeah. the Trump wives. <laughs> so many Trump wives. I'm like, how many? Ivana, Ivana Trump yeah. used to go around with Ghislaine Maxwell in New York City and wait for girls to get out of school and <sighs> would approach them and they would ask them about their grades. Whitney Webb talks about this because she okay. spoke with, um, is it Maria Farmer? Maria Farmer. Yeah. Yeah. She would be so Maria. Maria, like Maria would Farmer be. would be the source for this, correct? Yes. Yes. Um, and she would ask, they would ask the girls about their grades because they wanted like smart kids. Yeah, we could get into that too. Um, This idea that Epstein was, you know, trying to breed a master race. Trying to breed a master race. Like he wanted to to seed his seed into different vessels. Yeah, he wanted to do it in New Mexico at the ranch. And that's why they were sort of looking at the intelligence and skills of, of the girls because, you know, he wanted to like select the best ones for his uh, experiment. And it's why, you know, I do think these people are like eugenicists. And that's the only yeah, time for sure. calling them is, you know, I think they do believe that there's something genetically like inferior. I'm sorry, a superior about them and inferior yeah. about the rest of us. Well, yeah. the psychopath would see itself as superior yeah. because they are not constrained by the having a conscience. Yes. And that's how they would see themselves. So of course they would see themselves as superior and that, you know, they, they see normal people as, you know, things to be used and discarded. Well, not just that, but, but weak. Right. They, they yeah. view weak, you, right. you having a conscience and you know, the, the ability to experience the full range of human emotions, because that's, that's how I like to describe what that is. And when you think about it, like, it's kind of sad that they don't have that, really. They're, they're the, the kind of p- well, pitiful ones in the sense, it's like, wow, you can't experience the full range of human emotions. That's And really what, what they do experience is a hunger yes. for the pain of other people. But create. But crazier than just it being sad that they don't experience that, they view our experiencing of it as as a weakness, as a detriment. It's like it holds you back. You can't do the things I can do to get power and to keep power. You're held back. You care too much. Your little feelings stop you from doing what me, haha, I can do to get power and to keep it. And that that's kind of how they view themselves yeah. and they view us, you know, as lesser. Maria Farmer um, was also talking to Whitney Webb about how these people are incredibly racist. 
and would often avoid spaces of like in, in locations where, you know, there weren't other elite people around. Um, so it's like, you wanna, you know, wanna ping some, some super racist people. It's like, these are the people, yeah. you know? Well, he, um, he, he specifically targeted young white girls. That's another thing too, which, you know, I was thinking about yeah. this a lot when Black Lives Matter and all of that was happening. And I'm just, man, I wish we could all just unify against like the state as a whole. And I felt like kids was one of the ways we could really get people together. And that's why they wanted to distract from the subject is people all value their kids culturally. And I think, you know, if, if people collectively started to realize like, oh my God, the kids are under threat, it's a much more easier issue to unite people under. And by making things about race, it's like, well, of course, you know, people who are fighting over police brutality and race issues, they're, they're not gonna have much mental space in their head for a bunch of white girls who were abused by, you know, Epstein and Jelaine. But what you have to remember is the elite have different tastes. Yeah. So just because Epstein dealt in that flavor, that does not mean that there aren't other dealers out there who aren't dealing in, in the same, sorry, in the same way, but different flavors, right? So maybe right. one elite person wants little black boys or, or is yeah. it like Asian or you get what I mean? Or is whatever it is. And there has to be a dealer who can provide for the particular tastes of the elite. And this is why I think it goes deeper because not oh, everyone yeah. in the creep echelon up there is going to be into little white girls. They're going to be into some other thing too. And there has to be someone there to provide for that clientele. So I, this is why I think it's bigger than him. It has to oh. be. You know? The staff in Epstein's place too was uh, like allegedly stolen. Like, I, I don't know if it was Maria Farmer or Virginia um, Guffrey who like was talking to them one day and, you know, someone was talking to them and the woman said that we were stolen. And I, I'm not sure if they were I forget exactly where they were from, um, but they were, I think, Thailand or somewhere, but, um, you know, of other of other origins. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. not only were they trafficking children, they were trafficking, you know, adults for, you know, labor yeah, and probably not paying. Them. Yeah. But also going overseas to other places where it's easier to get away with this shit. And that, that's another way they could have fulfilled those tastes, right, is to just leave, leave the West, leave the U.S. and go to another country where this is like less regulated. And it's probably easier to get away with, you know, it. Somewhere. Well, and, and also like, you know, the with with all the there's there's a lot so it's like with um uh hillary and bill clinton protected a woman who was trying to smuggle kids out of haiti oh, and yeah. you know so it's like and bill and hillary clinton are very uh tied into the epstein Ghislaine maxwell affair yeah which so, everyone knows by now right. they should everyone has to fucking know that now so you know or silsby was her name okay yeah and she also, I believe, was head of marketing for the Amber, Amber Alert system. Mm. Yeah, you might have to that fact is- check me on that. But I was like, some, there, was a, there was a tie to the Amber Alert system. And, you know, because, you know, a lot of the times it is like a white girl of like from some family who, who goes all across the major media news, news sources. But meanwhile, there are a lot of black girls yeah. that just get like no coverage, nothing like, missing. You know. so there's something, there's something to be said for that as well. Yeah. Um, 
you know, but across the board, it's, it's uh, damaging and horrible. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's a good point, though. Just sorry, but like the fact that maybe because they were white girls is maybe why the story got a little more attention than it would have gotten otherwise. Right. But, you know, I think the flip side of it, too, is that, you know, the people who are into the identity politics and all of that are going to be like less likely to care about them because they're white girls. And I think maybe, you know, if we could expose more of this sort of thing happening to other races, other cultures, other types of people, we can really yeah. get some unity here and realize like dude like all of our kids are under attack it doesn't matter what race they come from it's like these people are going to prey on all of our kids well and then and then you have hollywood who like makes these bullshit movies glamorizing female abduction and glamorizing all of these all of these topics to kind of also make it a work of fiction when really it's it's very real so there's there's so much there's so many layers and so many things happening they're like let's throw in the race thing let's throw in you know the hollywood let's let's do a story let's you know and when really when you get down to it all of these people are racist all these people don't like people like us and you know they only really cater to themselves and whatever and uh you know there isn't a there isn't, uh, you know, um, this doesn't have a, a, a race or a gender to it. These people that do this, they're, they don't. They abuse everyone. Yeah, they just abuse. And by extension, they, they, they don't. They don't care they about identity politics. us all. I mean, yeah. they really yeah. are damaging our society by destroying the lives of these individuals and creating a damaged individual that cannot reach their full potential. Once you've been, and this is the thing too, that I don't think a lot of people understand is that once you have been abused in that way, as a child, you don't actually recover from that. There is no healing. I mean, you can heal to a certain extent and you can live a full and productive life, but you can never unring that bell. Once that damage is there, you will carry those scars with you for the rest of your life. And when when you consider that one predator can do this to hundreds or thousands of children the the scale of the problem suddenly becomes like so huge and so magnanimous and then when you also consider the fact that you know intelligence agencies and 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 you know, law enforcement and justice departments facilitating and actively covering this stuff up not only do they know about it they're part of it. They're they're yeah. hiding it, and they're ostensibly there to prevent it and to protect the the children in the community. And they're doing the precise opposite of what their intention or what their stated purpose is, which kind of shows how corrupt everything has yeah, become. It's it's infuriating. Um, but I did want to highlight this little piece. This is actually from you know pretty recently. This is December of 2020. Uh, it's a year it, ago. It's about black. No, this is just you know last. Oh, I guess it's a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> Thought it was it's funny. 2022 now, Brent. <laughs> anyway, it's this the this Essence Special Report, DC's disappearing girls highlight the nation's black and missing problem. And you know, it, the quote from the article is black women and girls are going missing. And it's not just in DC, it's happening in Chicago, Baltimore, Detroit, Atlanta, and other urban areas around the country. And then it goes into the details, but it's just very disturbing. There was another yeah. article, I think, that said something like 64,000 Black women were missing in the United yeah. States. Yeah, I remember I remember when I kept seeing um, Black women missing posters, even in New York. I was like, well, there's so many 
what's going on you know and of that is the increase in crime you know and i there's just been probably an increase in in rapes and murders and things like that and why do people are leaving the city why do you think you left you know i know you you know and you're a tough person you know how to box like you have mace on you and shit and even you started to i think feel like i i don't like walking around on the street anymore you know and i know you've always had you know you're 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 kind of paranoid yeah a little paranoid about that but ever since the lockdowns and covid and all of that it's like it's taken that and it's exacerbated it it has i am you know and as a man in particular you're not used to feeling that way although where i grew up i am sort of used to feeling that way you know because i grew up yeah. in an urban environment there was a lot of gang violence personally i wasn't able to walk around on the street in my hometown and to always feel safe even as a man but when you think about how it's gotten worse in cities now it's like no one i don't think can walk around and feel safe unless like you're the biggest brawliest dude and you're just like no one's ever gonna fuck with me because i'm that guy but otherwise it's just like the increase in crime so i think that's part of why we're seeing people going missing and, and all that stuff but yeah how many of these women are just snatched up and sent off to to be who knows what done to them yeah yeah, it's it's a incredibly large and systemic, intersectional, yeah, diverse problem. The the point you made too about like how one predator can like do that to hundreds of kids, and when you start to think of it in that way, uh, and it really, like, kids. yeah, and that's one predator, you know. So the scale of the problem really starts to sink in when you really understand that, you know. And it's just like you know all the warnings, yeah, that the FBI got about Nasser, about Epstein. And they did nothing. And all those years went by after they already knew and just the abuse continued and continued and continued. You know, it's fucked. And on it. Well, it's like, how can these agencies still exist and justify their budgets? Like, I don't even know. I should look up what the FBI's yearly budget is, but they spend tons of taxpayer money. And it's like, what do, what do you guys do? Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> maybe they'll answer us. We know they're watching the show. Again, shout out to our lovely FBI agents. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, they're probably watching. They got someone assigned to us and they're like, just keep an eye on those two. You know, we want to make sure they're not a problem. <laughs> so, but yeah, shout out to you guys. You know, maybe you can answer some of our questions, you know, maybe show us your budget. Where does all your money go? Where are the girls? So I go find them. <laughs> the girls? This is from the justice.gov. <laughs> Caitlin's over here. Uh, <laughs> Crack it up. <laughs> What does it say? I don't care, man. I just talk right directly through them at this point. The 2020 budget at a glance is that they're spending $9 billion. Million. Wait. No, no. This is 9,000 million. So oh my that's God. $9 billion. Holy shit. Uh, and that, that's 2019 that, that funds 35,000 positions. I don't, I, I'm not sure what that, I don't know. I, I guess, guess that's administrative know. staff. Is that how many people work for them? That's, I think that's what this is because then they go forward to say 242 attorneys and 13,154 agents. So all, out of those 242 attorneys, you, you couldn't, you know, pursue all of these, uh, you know, threads with the Epstein case. It, they're full of shit. You know, I don't, I don't believe it. I don't buy it. Like they know about it. I'm not saying everyone in the FBI does. Like I, I know in the alphabet agencies, compartmentalization is a big part of how they function. <laughs> so I'm sure there are perfectly nice people who work for the FBI and like have no idea or no involvement. And this is their mission. The mission but, of the FBI is to protect the American people and uphold the constitution of the United States. Isn't that a riot? Sure it is. Priorities include protecting civil rights, 
combating public corruption at all levels. (laughs) Combat domestic and transnational criminal organizations and enterprises. That sounds, you know, like a lot like, you know, elites trafficking kids, Uh, white collar crime and violent crime. Yeah. Wow. But it's selective, as we know, you know, the FBI will enforce those things when, you know, they're told to by the, the higher ups. But when other things come up that they don't want us to know or talk about. And that's just the FBI, too. You know, the CIA has a whole another budget. They're worse. There's another there's a whole like, you know, there's there's so many of these alphabet agencies and it's like, they're worse. what do they do? They're just like sitting there, like gobbling up taxpayer dollars. Yep. And, you know, they can't even perform a basic function like prosecuting a repeat offender like Jeffrey Epstein. And they're on un- they're unelected. They're unelected. Yeah. They're they're not people that we appoint. So. They're part of that deep state. Uh, you know, like, so you, Brent, you had a recent video that you threw up on your Instagram page and on Twitter, but you talked about JFK. And, you know, one of the things JFK wants to do is, is he wanted to quote unquote, scatter the CIA to the four winds. And one of the, you know, the reason he wanted to do that was because of this that we're talking about. They were unelected. And he realized like, wow, here's- They're unelected and unaccountable. Unaccountable, like this whole body of the government here that they're not elected by the people, they're unaccountable and, and can do things behind my back as the president is what started to really dawn on JFK. And that was why he felt that way, because, you know, the stuff that was going on in Cuba and all that, I'm not going to get too deep into it. Shout out to Oliver Stone and his new documentary, JFK Revisited, now on Showtime. We have not watched it yet, but we will watch it. We'll get around to it. But yeah, you know, it's just he started to see and I'm not saying JFK was perfect. I know he's, you know, Bay of Pigs. He's had his blunders and all that. Uh, He clearly wasn't a very, um, you know, dedicated husband. (laughs) But besides that, you know, I do think that deep down someone like jfk just didn't know what they were getting involved with and i think he did want to do good i just think he didn't understand really how deep the corruption was and then he gets you know into the lion's den of it tries to play ball with these people pushes them to a certain point you know where they're just like we need this guy gone he can't you know he's interrupting our plans too much so i do think the government killed him and it's crazy that that's still a controversial position to take among some people but I think more and more people over time are the government itself in the seventies. I think it was the, Oh, I want to say the church committee, but I'm not sure if that's correct. They, there was a committee in the seventies that came together and they concluded that there was a probable conspiracy theory. And that was like the conclusion that they came to, or there was a probable conspiracy to, to assassinate the president, but that, you know, in, in order to maintain the stability of the country for national security reasons, we have to, you know, sort of put that off. And they, they put, they sealed a bunch of documents and like left it off until like, you know, for a hundred years or whatever. Yeah. And then in 1992, after the JFK, which was an Oliver Stone film, a dra- dramatization of the events, um, surrounding the uh, the life of uh, what was the guy, the Fletcher Prouty? Was no, it Fletcher not, Prouty? Well, Fletcher Prouty was actually an advisor to and ended up in. Wasn't he a character? He's a character in the movie. Well, right? he's so Donald Sutherland plays this like Mr. X character okay. who was inspired by the leaks and the guidance that Fletcher Prouty was okay. giving to Oliver yeah, Stone yeah. in regarding to the movie. 
Um, but, you know, it was, it was dramatization and, you know, a lot of the younger people, they won't, you know, this happened in 1992, but it was a huge big blip and everybody was like, oh, JFK. And so they, they promised to release the, the art of the, uh, the data, the, the documents a lot sooner and they pushed it up, but then again, they, they pushed it back again and, and it all just kind of like, yeah, well, that's what they do. And I think that's going to be the case for 9-11 as well Is like these questions to people who are really, truly responsible their names and all that, it's, it's going to come out 60, 70, 100 years from now. Or, and, not. But, or not. But I think that's what they, they want to like, just keep the conversation and muddy the waters and we'll argue about it until the end of time. And then by the time the information comes out, the people who were truly responsible and behind it are dead already. And there's no one to even hold accountable. George H.W. So. Bush was often, you know, associated with the original cover up. Alan Spector came up with the uh, magic bullet theory you know a lot of these people alan dulles, alan dulles. Was probably involved and dude he was, was his... head of the cia and jfk fired him and then he ends and up on the warren commission <laughs> investigating not just murder. on it but he was like the chairman of yeah. the warren commission well, th- think about this like you're head of the cia the president of the united states fires you from your position he gets assassinated and you end up on the committee to investigate his death when he fired you yeah like isn't that a conflict of interest yeah you know, and it's, so obviously fishy it's crazy it's the most fishy thing one of the most fishy facts i ever stumbled upon this stuff i'm like how the hell did alan dulles end up on the warren commission unless that was a cover-up like it's, the only well, it, it's similar with maureen Kami in a way yeah you know it's, it's like i mean no one got fired but it's like you were involved in you know you had serious documentation of uh you know regarding jeffrey epstein and now you're on the prosecution like what it, doesn't make any sense. Fishy. Stinks. I have been. Oh, it was the footage of the jail tapes. So these were the, yeah. the tapes, um, you know, regarding, you know, like the when Epstein was in jail and the tapes of everybody coming and going from his jail cell. Uh, she she lost that footage. And didn't they um drop the charges on the, the yeah, guards. Yes, they, they, that, and what's interesting about that story was, and, and another story was that these came like in the week between Christmas and New Year's, these, these stories ended up coming out that, that they weren't going to be charging the guards involved in the Epstein thing for, for lying or for anything. And that they weren't going to be charging this other uh, female associate. I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but this was another woman, I think specifically in New York, who was alleged to be involved in, in like also in a Jelaine style capacity in recruiting and arranging. And it, what was weird about that is that her lawyers were the ones that like broke the story that she wasn't going to be prosecuted. And, you know, they claimed that, you know, they had been in discussions with SDNY, the, the Southern District of New York, the prosecutions there. And they said that they weren't going to be prosecuting her. And it was just very, just odd. Like, why was the press release coming from her lawyers hmm. as opposed to the SD? It was just, it's very strange. And it's just like all these people that are involved, Les Wexner, you know, if you listen to Maria Farmer's uh, testimony, she's given very many statements about Les Wexner and yeah. how he was a creepy, very disturbing yeah. dude. So back to Caitlin's art, actually. Oh. I think that's a good pivot. Oh, you so you, you've, you've featured Wexner, I believive, in some of your pieces. And oh, yeah, he, uh, he's yeah. the one with connections to MoMA, correct? No. Uh, no, that's, that's Glenn and Eva Dubin. Eva, Eva Dubin, okay, so and the, Leon Black, too, right? So the Dubins, how, yeah. how, so many people. how do they connect with Wexner, exactly? 
Um, I don't know how they connect with Wexner, um, but I'm sure their their social circles are you know clearly overlap. But but Eva Dubin dated Jeffrey Epstein for eleven years, and she was right. the one like where they were going to like have her daughter, right? Like, so the there was a photograph of um, uh, so Epstein has openly declared that he wanted to wed Selena okay. Dubin. That was Selena Dubin's daughter, and she is the girl on Jeffrey Epstein's lap on the plane and that's that was confirmed as far as my research went it's pulling it up yeah that is okay so that wow this was yeah and they they blurred her face out so we obviously couldn't see so it was confirmed that that's her that's her interesting yeah it says these were from a trip to disney world 2004 showing epstein with several young girls surrounding him one asleep in his lap yeah i think we talked about this on the last show where we had caitlin on too yeah this shit's crazy and then you know the connections to the art world are very interesting apparently she was nine when this photograph was taken gross gross (laughs) so do you have any more plans to say uh i don't want to say target to duvins but them, Wexner, like how how do you plan on expanding, say, the Epstein Banner project into the other things you're doing? I know uh you started a new series with like Clinton and and these people and you're taking Oh yeah, I have the the Stop Feeding the Animals. That's yeah. Yeah, I those are actually on the website. You can you could find them. Go pull those up. Go pull those up. Yeah, Yeah, so so I mean this project I would say I guess is like Maybe under project. The, the uh, yeah. brother or sister uh, right. in a sense. It's kind of the brother or sister to the banner project. Yes. In a sense, because you know it's really covering this issue. But who is this? Is this who is this? That, that's that's Les Wexner. That's oh. Wexner. Yeah. So we got Wexner. You scroll down. We got Bill. Yeah. Oh, Billy. Bill. Well, in this series, you're you're kind of really that's uh, Prince. Uh, what's his name? Andrew. Andrew. So you're really trying to actually target the people. <laughs> This is uh, Dirty Dershowitz. Dershowitz, yeah. Uh-huh. And we got <laughs> Billy Gates. Oh, we've oh, got Bill good Gates, old Billy. Yeah. Billy boy. Yeah, and I wanted to find pictures of all of them smiling and wearing, like, formal attire. And I managed to do that. It's great. I love the smiles are so creepy, too. Yeah. Well, I don't know. And Prince Andrews, is he's looking stoic there. But... And royalty. I guess they don't really smile. <laughs> I got his yeah, well, it's not, it's not very British to smile. No, it's not. Yeah, it's just not very British. But I love this series. I think this is really cool. I would love to see you expand on this more, actually. And yeah, I probably will. Like put Hillary's face up there. I feel like I'm I'm envisioning a gallery showing where like the Epstein banner is hanging, and then like on the walls, there's like these like large blow up black and white of these. I I could see them as like really big projections too. Oh, you can do it as a projection as well, yeah. Yeah. yeah and like and like they they like switch like they glitch and it's like wait who is that who is that you know so um, i remember we were we were sitting down last month last time we hung out and i said to you i said caitlin i wonder if jelaine maxwell has ever read your name in the papers <laughs> or in the press and you just had a moment where you were like oh. <laughs> like she probably is sweating yeah i know it's really well, you know, and when I was in that article with the banner and it's like uh, that that headline is like, oh, Epstein accuser allegedly admits that he like threw girls in with alligators. And like, there I am, you know, with the banner 
I'm just like, <laughs> I'm literally paired with the scariest motherfuckers like in our fucking country. And you know that, like, she like, has to be one of them. I mean, I don't know if she's going and reading every single story about this, but part of me feels like someone like her might, you know, they'd want to see what's being said about them. I mean, that, that picture has been there, been, been out there. Yeah. You know, that, that, that banner is like, it's really, uh, it's she's really had to, she's read your name at least once in one of those stories. And she's like, I don't know who this bitch is going out there freaking trying to tarnish my reputation. I mean, her reputation's pretty much already turned out. Okay. We're, we're, think... we're all on the list already, so. She's a socialite with no friends. Ooh. Yeah, that's so funny. Major burn. <laughs> socialite who has no friends anymore. That's what, like, when you read about her, she's like, oh, socialite. And yeah. when you listen to Virginia Guffrey, she's like, Ghislaine had no friends. Yeah. Like, I went around with her. I went shopping with her. Like, she would show me old photos of, like, her childhood. Like, she didn't have anyone over. Like, they, they she didn't have friends. They, they had these connections. They collected people, like, some you know yeah. something else that we know <laughs> they collected people you know they want to maintain those those connections and then use yeah. them later for 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 benefits so right. and she strikes me as someone yeah who would be like that and i you know how could you really truly have friends if you're a conscienceless child raper yeah like, i don't think you can you're not gonna have real friendships you know it's all again everything's yeah, you have to have friends care about other friends yeah. right like there's like yes. you feel you, you want to bring them joy like you can't if you don't have that then you're you're essentially alone yeah if you don't actually you know if you can't experience empathy if you can't you know get joy from the joy of your you know your friends your associates your families if you can't empathize you can't really have friends you can have the appearance of a friendship perhaps but you can't actually have the thing. You know, it's crazy though, that if if this would have gone over the other way where say, you know, she was exonerated or they let her go, I can see the social circles of Hollywood and these big upper echelons, like just taking her right back in. And that that's what happened with Epstein the first time he got caught, you know, and he, yeah, did, it, he, he did do time. He was in solid, not solitary. I do, I do think though, that there would be major backlash on these people. Yeah. And it would be really because it's like it's the, the story's so blown up it's now. Much, that, like, you're right, you're right. It's definitely more blown up now than it was. I think it was what 09 when Epstein got called. For, uh, yeah, I want to well, say 2008, eight, right? 2008 or 2009. It was one of those years. So, like, but you know, all that happened. He he served some time a bit, although it was probably the most lavish imprisonment ever. I heard he had a very lovely quarters to stay in, and and he was still allowed to like leave. So who knows what he was doing in the meantime? 2008, he got the sweetheart deal. Yeah, and it's like he still got taken back in by these people, and was still continuing oh to abuse after all that blew over, and was hanging out with them still, going to the parties, all that shit. So it makes me think, you know, like these they know they just they don't care. They yeah care, everyone knows you know? they just don't care yeah i have a piece that that on the hide it said everyone knew about jeffrey epstein nobody cared yeah and the ones who did and i'm not gonna say you know no one cared that's probably not fair i'm sure there was a couple who knew and cared but it's got to be really scary too if you're say really deeply involved with these people they know who you are they know where you yeah and, and it's like are you yeah. gonna be the one to like throw sand in the gears of that machine because it could very much come back to bite you it could be very dangerous you know not just for your career but like for your for your life yeah, I believe so. 
Yeah. One thing for us, you know, sort of on the outside looking yeah. in to kind of just like talk about it and speculate and draw our own conclusions. And it's quite another thing for somebody who might actually have, you know, witness testimony or physical evidence Access. that these things are happening. They become a much greater threat to that machine. And as we've seen, that machine is willing to kill people in yeah. order to protect itself. It's willing to use children in horrible and unspeakable so ways. The threat is greater for them. Much, to, much greater. To stick their neck out and to talk about these things or to say blow the whistle. So, you yeah. know, um, we'd really have to be like a group no. of people. Yeah. You have to be like people would have to like have like a collective effort and back, back each, each other, other up. up you know they kill all of them yeah. exactly you know so if like this celebrity and that celebrity and this celebrity and they all got together and they started talking about this collectively yes maybe if a bunch of them all at once decided we're going to talk about this then yeah. something maybe perhaps will come of it and you know they won't feel as threatened because they have other people right you know and i think that the strength in numbers thing is is it's true. It's powerful. So perhaps something could be done if more, you know, if these people did get together, like you said, and talk. I mean, we may still see that happen because Possibly. we are not, this is not the end of this story. It's not going to go away. You know, people will be talking about Jeffrey Epstein, you know, just assuming nothing changes, you know, people will be talking about the Epstein affair much the same way, you know, we talk about JFK, you know, the way we talk about, you know, all the kinds of like historical conspiracies and, and malfeasance that, you know, has been revealed over time. And that's presuming that it doesn't, the whole thing doesn't really come out and the whole house of cards comes crumbling down, either due from, you know, eventually you know, you would think there's got to be some agents involved in the FBI and the CIA who have a conscience that that know what's happening is terrible and that they they can't, you know, contain that. They can't leave it to themselves. You know, maybe it's on their deathbed. Maybe they do anonymously through Project Veritas or whatever. But I feel like, you know, eventually as more, as this information, you know, penetrates the human, you know, hive mind, the, the internet and, you know, the, the blogosphere, whatever you want to call it, uh, it becomes increasingly more likely that exposure actually comes and yeah. we have well, some that, accountability. That's how we got here too, you know? So well, that's it, like why we do yeah. what we do. It's why Caitlin makes her pieces. It's why yeah. we talk about it. But it's, it's because it's, it's also why we can contribute. It's also how the story got to where it is now. You know, pe people did have to stick their neck out. You know, the victims had to come forward. And they kept talking about it. Yeah, and people like us had to keep talking about it, posting about it, getting people to think about it. And that's how the story will stay alive and actually will uncover more. But like, I, like I've been saying, they want it, they do want it to die, you know, and all they can really do at this point is to put a spin on it. Because yeah. it's not dying. People are talking about it. We're not going to just stop. It's not going to go away. Speaking of House of Cards, Kevin Spacey <laughs> is with a like big time director in Croatia mm. after being ordered to pay Netflix a $31 million sexual harassment violation. Yeah. And, you know, Kevin Spacey and Ghislaine were like photographed together. Yeah. He knew them. He knew that. I should, he needs to be, he, I need to add him to my. He needs to add him. And he, yeah. he makes, he makes perfect sense when you look he at him. He is it. so wow. creepy. That People guy like, definitely Kevin hung Spacey. out with Kevin Spacey plays a really good predator and psychopath. It's like, yeah, because he is a predator and psychopath. Yeah. This, this, this touches on another aspect too of this problem is, you know, with the Epstein affair, we're looking at what's happening to girls. And it, it is important to remember that this stuff happens to boys. Yes. And yeah. in, in particular, what's really devastating about it when it happens to a boy is because of the societal expectations of boys to be, you know, macho and tough and put together and all that boys are, are much less likely to admit it. 
uh, they're more likely to glamorize it in their own head as not abuse, you know, as something like Victor, like, oh, I slept with an older guy or I slept with an older woman. Like, so they glamorize it and they're just, they're less likely to talk about it because they're more ashamed of it because, you know, I'm a man or obviously they wouldn't have been men when this happened. They would have been kids, but in their head, this is how they think like, oh, well, I'm a man, I'm a boy. Like I'm supposed to be tough and people can't know that this happened to me and that I got taken advantage of and yeah. wasn't tough enough to stop them. So there's that stigma around it. And the Kevin Spacey thing also, you know, kind of highlights some problems within, within the, the gay community too, you know? And I think Josh talked about this too, but like just the, there's definitely an unspoken like affinity in the gay community among some for younger men, younger boys. And Kevin Spacey obviously liked them way too young. And his, his story I thought was interesting because it finally highlighted that yes, abuse is happening to boys as well. And yes, women do it to boys too, but as always, men are the more aggressive of the sexes. So most of the, the abuse happening against boys is happening by other boys, other men. And a lot of a lot of um, boy Hollywood stars as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, there's a freaking um, Corey Hain, right? And and Corey Feldman. Corey Hain and Corey Feldman were big yeah. in the the early sort of uh, you know like they were big stars in the '80s, child stars. And you know Corey Feldman, who survives, Corey Hain passed away yeah. due to I think it was an overdose on heroin. Uh, which, you know, Feldman attributes to the trauma that he, that, that Haim uh, experienced as a young man being raped by older men. So River Phoenix, too, is another possible Who also had a, uh, yeah, he also. Yeah, he died at John, uh, Johnny Depp's club, actually. When Johnny Depp had a club many, many years ago. But he yeah. had an overdose young man. I think he was in his 20s, uh, right? Seven. Yeah, but going back to Kevin Spacey real quick, he is actually facing a lawsuit uh, right now. I think it's ongoing in the SDNY. Um, it's the, it was a lawsuit by Anthony Rapp. He was another actor who alleged that Spacey had raped him when he was 14. And apparently it got moved to federal court in November of 2020. Okay, I keep making that mistake. So this had to be like last year or two years ago. Um, and then September 19th, 2021, Judge Kaplan had a proceeding about 60 new names wow. and sealed the affidavits. On October 4th, Spacey asked to seal the UK High Court's order, which he says orders him to destroy material, full letter on Patreon, blah, blah, blah. Wow. Um, so this is still ongoing. Um, yeah, and again, like you said, one abuser, you know, can harm hundreds of victims if you know yeah not put in check in some way well, the other, so the how thing. many how many boys you and know the, that, the other that's thing the about kevin too. spacey which is really disturbing is that three of his past victims have died in either suicides or accidents so weird very yeah, like, like shades of house it's cards like, just like there's a clinton body count now we have a spacey body count. he's got a body count yeah, yeah. it's very wow. So weird. I mean, that's the. I was surprised so the Clinton body count wasn't on that conspiracy theory. Yeah, that wasn't there, that's and that's a good one. one. That is a good one. I mean, I, it's funny too because a lot of these people are, you know, like when you look up the Clinton body count, a lot of them are very tangential. Like, you know, a lot of them are people that have never actually like met or associated with the Clintons, but have written things, you know, about them that were, uh, you know, critiquing or scathing. 
But the uh, when you actually look at the list and start to scrutinize it, you know, this is like past bodyguards, past secretaries, like past like associates, you know, people that had, you know, alleged that they had sexual contact with Bill Clinton. So there is a lot of shade behind them. And Whitney Webb wrote in, uh, in her like series of investigations, uh, I think she also had an interview with um, this ex-Israeli Mossad guy, and his name is uh, slipping my mind right now, but he told her that the whole point of the, uh, the initial Epstein's first big thing was to kind of get something on Clinton so that they would have uh, a foothold in the white house in, in the nineties. And, you know, it, considering he was on Epstein's plane, something like 28 times, I forget the exact number. One might presume that he was successful in that endeavor, which is why he ended up, you know, in such a high status thereafter you know, yeah. with all his wealth, which we still don't know where his money came from. Yeah, yeah, no. we don't. You know, well, had, well, we think Wexner, right? He had an island. He had, yeah, but so what? You know, like, and Wexner gave him that house in New York on 71st Street for a dollar. And, uh, you know, he had, so like just, you know, brief little tally of Epstein's assets at the time of his death. He had the penthouse, or not penthouse, the uh, multi-story house in New York with the sub-basements. He had the island in the Caribbean. He had the Zorro Ranch with it, I think is like something like 2,000 some acres. He also had a penthouse in Paris, uh, and not one, but two planes, like that were like seven, I think one was a C-37 and one was a 757, I want to say. Yeah. So, so the blackmail aspect of this, I think is probably the most fascinating to me because I feel like that's like, this is how the power structure is like held together in a sense is, and it's kind of fragile when you think about it actually is these people are collecting information on the people they need to use to say vote this way or invest this way etc 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 and when you think about it man it's such a brilliant plot it's like it's so sinister it's almost like a like a movie villain type thing it's like, also oh. makes, but see the problem with it that and this is the the thing that's kind of been rolling around in my head is that you know these things are like like if they were to you know say they collected you know abuse video of some rich and powerful person with somebody who's underage, how could they ever use that? You know what I mean? Because if you, if you deploy that against somebody, you know, say Donald Trump decided he was going to stand up against the establishment and he put his foot down and, you know, this, that, and the third, and they wanted to, you know, use that against him. How could they release that in such a way that wouldn't expose that they've been doing this on a wide scale? Yeah, that's a good It's like question. a nuclear option. So it, it's, it's very interesting to me because, you know, I, and I can't say, you know, what I would do in that position because I haven't been compromised by intelligence agencies, but to think that, you know, they couldn't really, you know, they could threaten, you know, maybe they could release it anonymously through a third party or they could somehow filter it's a dead it. drop. Well, but it's just, it's just, but that's what a dead drop is, is you, you release it through a third party. Yeah. Word. But my, my, so my point is just that, you know, how could the CIA or the Mossad or the FBI, whoever the F it is, uh, how could they ever use that material in such a way without revealing the fact that they've, you know, it kind of implicates them in a way. Yeah. Well, I think, Perhaps especially now, perhaps the people who have that material collected on them don't even let it get that far in their head. You know, the fact that the material exists, that they know it's in the hands of people who are going to use it against them. 
they keep their mouth shut. They do what they got to do. They do what they're you told. Know? They do. They do what they're told. They. I don't. I don't. I think in their head, they just they're not even thinking about it as a nuclear option. That oh, those people will go down with me if also, they reveal. They have this, a lot to you lose. Know? You know, we're talking about you know the creme de la creme, the yeah. top of step salons. Very rich. Lots to lose. Yeah. Lots of money, lots of prestige, their entire legacy, which is important yep. to a lot of these type of people. Yeah. So that might be enough to, you know, allow them to be cowed or, or manipulated. Yeah. Very curious, very disturbing. Well, we can't we can't let it die, which is why it is so important that people like Caitlin Copenhaver are in the world making her brilliant cutting art. <laughs> you know, I and I think we'll wrap it up there. Um, where can people find Caitlin Copenhaver? You can find me on Instagram, where I'm heavily censored. Too. Um, <laughs> yeah, I got I, I lost like eight followers when I was like Bob Saget is a creep. <laughs> I was just like I want to talk to her about this. I want to know what. But conversely, I got a lot of views on that story, so I'm yeah. like, am I not shadow banned anymore? I don't know. I don't care. You just but, uh, um, Caitlin Copenhaver on there too? Yeah, yeah. It's just my name like everywhere. So yes. Caitlin Copenhaver. I'll have it I'll on put Twitter. It and so for those interested in Caitlin's work, just go to CaitlinCopenhaver.com and you can find all those links large, will be in the description. A large amount of her work on there. Not all of it because I personally know Caitlin has hard drives and hard drives full of stuff. So she works very hard. The work we're even seeing is like the, you know, the best of the best, you know, but it's also like a, just scratching the surface of the amount of work that Caitlin puts out. So. Uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy. I have to back up my hard drive. I have like yeah. backed things like backed up and backed up and backed up, but it's good. Yeah, it would suck, man. You definitely, I would back up each one because you have so much stuff. Yeah. She also does amazing, heartbreaking to lose it. Amazing commissions. Right, yes, we'll talk Caitlin, about your fur coats. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Right. So Caitlin also does yeah. custom clothes, you know, usually. Ew you know, something with a saying or a thought or a message of some sort on it. It can be a custom Ooh. thing. You go to the Virginia Blazer. Yes. Oh yeah, pull, pull one of those up. Put uh, the screen is on. that in the Predators and Prey? Section? Oh no, the different website. You've got to go to a line of cope.com. Yes. So oh, okay, hold on. For anyone interested in the clothing design aspect of what Caitlin does, go to a line of cope. So this is K-O-P-E.com. This was in the project section. I just wanted to show the fur yeah. coats because I love the fur coats. Oh yeah. So this was like the catalyst of a lot of things. Yeah. We, we went into depth about this uh, on the first episode we had you on, but um, this, you know, I think it's one of the most unique things you do. This you is know, a lot. No one else is doing this as far as I know. Performance. <laughs> oh, I remember this. Such a good night. <laughs> this is clearly pre-Cove because I was like in people's faces. Oh, and... you can do this now. Right. Yeah. Now this is, yeah. this is pre-Cove. I was walking around barefoot. The, the coat was was displayed on a chair and I just took my shoes off and put it on and started walking around in it. So that in itself, I think as, as like for to talk about like art, you know, and how people really project themselves onto art. Right. And I, in this position, I'm not allowing people to do that. I'm like, no, I'm I'm going to come around to you and we're going to. This is why. This is why you describe yourself as a multimedia artist too, you know, right. even though photo is the main thing you, you do and have studied, I took a photo. you're doing, you're doing design, you're working with fashion and you're doing performance and situational art as well. Um, situational. Yeah. Which, you know, takes, takes some of these more physical pieces and, and now you become like 
a moving version of it, which is what I always found so fascinating about your performance work is like you're taking the coat or whatever piece that you're wearing or you print on your back, for example, and yeah. you become the mobile art in the gallery. Yes. Then moving around and bringing yourself as the piece to the people in the gallery instead of like them coming to it. Okay, let me go to a line of code. But yes, thanks again for coming on and chatting with us. We will we will hang out soon and we'll also do this again. So yeah, definitely. I always love chatting with you guys. Yes, this everyone. Was... Thanks for watching. Oh, hold on. What does it show them her? This is her. Oh, yeah. Do, you could do yes, shop the collection. Sorry. Uh, shop the collection. <laughs> yes, a line of Coke, guys. Check it out. And line of Coke. Blazers. Blazers. Yeah. And then the Virginia Blazers. There's right Miles. Right. Oh, there's Miles. Shout out to Miles. Yeah. So this is for Virginia. Um, and the, the quote, that's a that's a tweet and uh, but i i changed it a little bit but i kept it to basically her words so it's, you saw her at their parties you saw her at, in his homes you saw her on his plane you saw her get her hair cut you saw her on the streets you saw her abused you saw her you saw her and then on the on the sleeve i printed um he knows what happened i know what happened and there's only one of us telling the truth says virginia and then on the other sleeve i printed absolutely and categorically it never happened says prince andrew <laughs> so good it's clever uh, yeah, and the, the blazer itself is a british bowden blazer so i was like very I appropriate around. I, I like i like the pink on it too i think it, it contrasts yeah, the really pink and the blue contrast yeah. very well yes but yes this stuff is awesome man and again each piece is like unique so oh, if one someone, of a kind. someone is looking for something to wear it's stylish but also unique one of a kind it's a piece of art it makes a statement you know Hit up Caitlin, go to alivecoke.com. Yeah, do bags, do pants. You gotta pay. You gotta pay. You gotta pay. <laughs> and maybe we'll end on that note here. Like, this, <laughs> like people who don't want to pay artists or treat what we do as like a little craft. It's your arts and crafts. Oh, oh you're such a cute little hobby. Oh, you're still working with your pictures and stuff. That's so cute. You know, I said this to JP on our last episode. I'm like, oh, are you still working on your playing your little drums? Like people don't take a creative thing serious they think it's just you're playing you're having fun it's like yes. first of all look at some of the subjects that caitlin covers you think this shit is fun to think about it's not fun That's to think about awesome. it's quite frustrating actually and exhausting so yeah. there's that but then there's yeah all the physical labor the materials you know the time and effort that goes into the thought of the concept and never mind manifesting it there's that too it's work pay artists people please stop trying to take advantage of us stop trying to get shit done for free stop trying to trade favors for work our work buy it please so we can continue doing it yeah yeah on that note thanks for watching don't forget to like subscribe share with all your friends (laughs) leave a comment uh for watching everyone and we will be back again next week with another episode bye caitlin yay goodbye